Welcome. This is a special Illinois Valley alternative podcast. This is an Ivy Pod production. You can find us at IvyPod.com. We are Ivy Pod on Facebook, Ivy Podcast on Twitter, and mail at IvyPod.com is our email. Let's begin a very special episode of the Illinois Valley Alternative Podcast. What's up, Clayton? Not too much. How's it going, John? It's going good. Who's our sponsor What's this up? week? <laughs> yeah, take it away. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm going to do our uh, our first read. We got a good sponsor this week. It is Comarsic Law Offices here at LaSalle. He's looked forward to sponsoring this very special episode, as John was saying. I'm going to do our read here. Uh, I don't know if I need to tell everybody that, but... <laughs> I like doing that. I'm just giving the play-by-play so if anybody's wondering what's going on. If you're in need of legal help, what do you look for? How about someone that is going to aggressively fight for you? How about someone who focuses on the quality of their work? Even more important, how about someone you can trust? You will get this and so much more with Kermarsic Law Office. Uh, Attorney Doug Kermarsic was a former lead prosecutor with years of experience that he will use to help guide you. Also, Doug is from the area and someone you won't have any trouble talking to about critical issues in your life. For more information, you can call Doug at uh, 815-667-7100 or visit him at his Utica office. It's right in the Celebrations building, I believe. Um, you can also visit his website at kermarsiclaw.com uh, slash DUI dot html yeah and you can also click through our site that's not his website you you have that up here john (laughs) Uh, if you can also kermarsiclaw.com and follow i don't think it's dot dui (laughs) it's what it is backslash dui (laughs) did i say dot dot dui like that that's what i heard well anyway sorry sorry doug you click through the ivy pod site and you can find it but it's kermarsiclaw.com i'm pretty sure that'll get you there Right. That was terrible. I <laughs> thank Doug for his support of the IV Alternative Podcast. All right, let's begin the show. So, what's going on? That's okay. It was good. It was good. So, what's going on this week? We have. So, if you listened to last week's show, episode 47, you may have heard during the tweets of the week we mentioned a Kickstarter that we were we were pimping a little bit for Illinois Valley native Johnny Durango. And after that episode, we uh, got in touch with Johnny, and he's now on our show. That's a fact. How are you guys doing? So, yeah, it's we're doing good. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's kind of weird, you know. We're just uh, it actually all ha- happened so fast. It was just like a Twitter. We started blowing up back and forth, and then next thing we're chatting on Facebook, and here we go. We got a show. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks oh. for coming. Or yeah, I mean, you're live in studio, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would be nowhere else. Though. I am in the same state. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we got a whole load of questions. We're going to put you, you know, your feet to the fire. We're going to drill you with a bunch of deep questions. So um, I guess just to to get started with everything, let's let's give everybody a little bit of background, the origin story. The origin story. All right, fair enough. Uh, I grew up in Peru, Illinois. I uh, went to LP High School, like uh, everybody else, I think, in that town, and I uh, went off to Columbia College. My sophomore year in college, studied cinematography at Columbia, got my degree, and uh, took a shot and went out to LA the very next year. And I've been out here for 12 years now. That's incredible. I gotta tell you, I'm I'm a little bit envious slash jealous. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I do uh, audio video stuff just you know for fun. So to me, like what you're doing, you're like you're living it. That's it. <laughs> you're doing it. It's it's awesome. It's it's the exact same Breaks. thing, just a bigger scale. It's like uh, yeah. Michael Bay does the same thing I do, just you know, a hundred thousand times the size. So you went literally the year after college, you went straight out to Hollywood. I did. I did. So I graduated in 2002 and I went straight out in February. I did like an early graduation. It was an L.A. program. I moved straight out there and did my last semester. And I was like, I got to do it now because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So I took the shot and got really, really lucky. There was an internship program put on by Columbia College and they said, we have this internship. It's with a band who's going on tour this summer. Can't tell you who it is. Apply for it. We'll let you know if you get it. So 
I put it in. I, you know, there's a lot of bands I like. I was hoping maybe it'd be somebody that I knew. I had no idea what it was going to be. So I get the call back and I go and I interview for it. And in the interview process, I find out it's the singer Jewel. So I end up getting getting the job and I go on tour first thing out of college for six weeks with Jewel on her North American tour. Pretty Whoa. pretty awesome to come right out of, right out of college and end up on you know a major musicians tour. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you, you always hear the stories like with the you know actors who go out to Hollywood. You know how they spend years like bussing tables and things like that. Is it is it like this for other cinematographers? I mean, or is, or is it just like you said, you just got really lucky? Uh, it's there's a lot of luck. It's some skill. I mean, I'll tell you right now, the business. If you want to know the truth, is you know thirty percent how good you are at what you do and seventy percent who you know. And I've been fortunate that I'm really good at what I do, and I've met some of the right people. Wow. I know one thing. Well, should we jump in? I don't know if we should jump into this eliminate. I think I we think we have. <laughs> well, it's, to. it's the very next thing that happens. So if you want to go it there, does. I'm with you. So you you went you went on tour with Jewel, and then you came back, or you, and you ended up doing the wonderful TV show Eliminate. That that's true. I, uh, I I came back, and I I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started hanging out at rental houses because I figured. I'm in this business. I don't want to go PA on films. If I go PA, if I go start working in camera, people are going to know me as a camera assistant. They're going to know me as a PA. I'm never going to be a director of photography. So that, that's a production assistant? or a Production assistant. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'll, uh, I'll throw it on the terms here. So as, as production assistant, you're sort of like the gopher on set. You do whatever they need you to do. Okay. And I, I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to be a director of photography and, and shoot feature films. And it's a it's a long hard road. I mean, if you look at the guys who are shooting it, most of them are in their 40s or 50s right now. The the good guys that you know about. There's there's a few really really solid guys like Janusz Kaminski, maybe one of the only guys that you guys have ever heard of. He does all Spielberg stuff. So okay. those those guys, it it takes a long time to get where they're at. So I decided I'd start hanging out at rental houses and trying to get a job at a rental house because I couldn't afford cameras. I couldn't afford camera gear. But if I worked at a rental house on the weekends, I could take that stuff out and, and try to do other people's projects. So by a rental house, you mean a place where people come to get gear? to film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Where you go and you, you rent the gear to do your productions. And I knew that I couldn't afford any of the stuff, like I said. So if I got a job at a rental house, I'd at least have the access. And even if I wasn't going to charge people to do their stuff, at least I'd be getting – material for my reel because as a director of photography that's the only way you get work is on your past work people see what you've done they trust you and they say okay i'm gonna hire you so i'm hanging out at rental houses and there's this rental house that keeps saying they're gonna hire me come in interview i interview they're like yeah come back the next day come back the next day we're gonna hire you yeah after this weekend we're gonna hire you so i'm hanging out at this rental house and they never ever actually end up hiring me on a side note but in the process i meet this guy who runs the cruise for the tv series eliminate and if you remember that show, it's it's a pretty crazy show. It was one of the first sort of reality shows. It was a dating show. And I, I watched the show, and I loved the show. Guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> not going to lie. Really bad. And and my mother to this day still won't admit that I shot the show. But <laughs> when I was hanging out there, I met this guy, and he said, oh, you think you're ready? Because the rental manager t- told him, you know, this guy's great. He can shoot. He's really good. I-, I vouch for him. You know, you should talk to him. So I remember climbing in this guy's car and driving to the grocery store, and he's like, are you ready to shoot network television? I said, absolutely. I can do this. He goes, all right. He goes, well, here's what I'm going to do for you. He goes, we're doing, a, we're doing a show. It's an all-star show in Vegas. And he goes, we're doing some underwater. I go, I go, awesome. I go, I can do underwater. I, go, I, I I just was certified to scuba dive literally three months before I moved out to L.A. And I was like, ah, oh, I can do underwater. He's like, great. He's like, great. We'll have you do that too. He's like, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to come out. You're going to mainly do sound. We're going to have you do a fourth camera. You're going to put yourself up. You're going to drive yourself out. You're going to do all this stuff for free. And uh, if we like you, we'll, we'll bring you on one of the next, you know, one of the next seasons. So I'm like, okay, I got to take my shot, right? So he's like, all right, take that underwater housing and meet me in Vegas in two weeks. So I grab this underwater housing and I drive back to my apartment completely panicked. I'm like, I'm going to Vegas to shoot a TV show and I've never shot underwater in my entire life. So I call up a couple friends. I track down a swimming pool and for two weeks I dive in that swimming pool every single day. I took a wetsuit and tied it to some rocks, sank it to the bottom of the pool, swam around it till I was comfortable. And then the very last day before I left, I had a bunch of friends come over and act out like a fake scene from Eliminate, which was pretty awesome in itself. And nonetheless, I ended up in Vegas and uh, did the job, shot for them, and the rest is history. I ended up doing three more tours with them, so it was pretty cool. Wow. Jeez, you worked for that one. But, I mean, you you had to pay for your trip just to go and shoot underwater, basically. 
absolutely. I, I drove myself there. I found a place to stay for free. I did everything for free. And it was it was stressful. And the worst part is after that, after I got that job and wowed everybody, he sends me on the road with two other guys to do episodes in New Orleans and Detroit. And it was a six-week trip. And I think I made $2,000 driving from L.A. to New Orleans to Detroit and back over the course of six weeks for working two full weeks of that trip. Wow. Yeah. And did they pay for your travel and all that or no? They, they paid for the hotel rooms, but that was about it. But I was so excited. I was 23 years old. I was like, this is my big break. This is what's going to set me up. And, uh, you know, now in retrospect, it, it was ridiculous, but it did. It got my foot in the door. You know, it was, it was a syndicated show you and stories. I was shooting, got a great story. And, um, thankfully I behaved myself on the road. All I have is the stories. I've got nice. nothing sticking with me. Well, so it, that's it, good. You, before before we started recording tonight, you, one of the funny things he said is you, you were on set for that show. The first thing they did when the actors or what all the <laughs> contestants, I don't know what they are, uh, they they would put booze in their hands immediately. Like, oh yeah, you drink it? Oh here, have one, have one, and and try to get them, you know, see how how quickly they could loosen them up. Right? It was amazing how fast they all loosened up too. They were. I have never seen so many. Okay, so you guys know from seeing reality shows and stuff like that. I'm sure you've seen the mic packs that go on people's belts that have. Yeah. And then they run the microphone, the lavalier up to their shirt. I've never seen so many lavalier microphone packs in my life fall in toilets. These people would get drunk. They would forget they'd have them on. They'd go to the bathroom. Next thing you know, you're down a mic pack. It was. It was that kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good time. It was Jack, a good time. How familiar are you with this show, John? I'm not at all wow. familiar okay. with it. I'm just going along with the that, ride. That is your loss, my friend. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm sure you could YouTube some. But it is impressive because that I'm reading. Um, I'm on your IMDb page, and just the fact that we're talking to somebody who has an IMDb page yeah. to me is kind of neat. <laughs> sure. But uh, that w- I see what you mean. That was the the big start in 2002, and then from there, geez, you were busy. I mean, you got something every year, and some of these. Uh, looks like you're doing stuff multiple times a year. So I guess you know we talked about your start and 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 you've done a ton of work. But before we get too far in, I think we should we should really touch on on the big thing that you're working on now before we go too far because I think that's what makes this episode special. We, we really hope uh, some of our listeners uh, listen to this and get on board because we're, we really want to promote this because you've got this Kickstarter going. And if people don't understand what Kickstarters are, I just had to go through this entire spiel with my dad <laughs> because he wants to get involved. But then I had to explain how a Kickstarter works. Uh, it took a little while. but uh, So for everybody, if you're not familiar with Kickstarter, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but so you set a goal and then people pledge uh, certain amounts of money. And, and you can, if you go on the page, and I'm going to go ahead and put a link on our website. So if anybody is interested in interested you can go to our website or just type in google just google lost on purpose kickstarter it pops right up and then on there you're going to see for different amounts of money you get different things so you pledge ten dollars and there's a there's like a bonus you get but the, the whole idea is people pledge amounts of money if they're interested in helping out but then you have a you only have so much time to do this and then if you don't reach the goal by that time the whole thing pretty much what it just goes away it's all, completely. it's all over it's like being on the prices right and actually getting up on the stage and then walking away with nothing yeah oh wow so it's that's <laughs> Good way to put it man <laughs> yeah, absolutely mean, so i mean support your illinois valley native uh, film creator here i mean this is awesome what's just, the name just, of the movie was, john it's lost on purpose right it's a great yeah. title yeah it is yeah so I guess this is a good time to give us a little background on this movie. So so Lost on Purpose is a film that's near and dear to my heart. It's probably the most proud I've ever been at anything I've ever done film-wise. Uh, it goes back probably 10 years ago. I met one of the directors who are brothers, Esham Nelms. We were shooting safety videos together in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> so those awesome training safety videos you see if you've ever worked in a major city building, that's what we were doing. And it was okay. it was sort of ridiculous. We were in stairwells with fake fake fire and gels to look like fake fire, and then at the bottom it was blue, so you knew you were going towards the doorway. But I, I met this guy, and at the time he was just he was a production assistant or a, a 
PA. Actually, he was he was a grip. Actually, he was he was carrying around gear. He was he was moving lights for me, and he was setting up stuff. So I mean, it really goes to show you—you you never know who you're gonna meet when you're gonna meet them. So I was shooting the stuff he was doing that, and we became friends. And I don't know, probably six years later, we ended up doing a pilot for a web series together. Uh, it was me, him, and his brother, and it, we just had a great time doing it. And we made a really great little web series called Hard to Swallow. You can check that out online too. It's on Vimeo. But we, okay. had a, we had a great time shooting it, and I was like, my God, these guys are the most talented directors I've worked with in the entire time I've been in L.A., and I really, really want to work with them. So a year or two later, they came to me with a script for Lost on Purpose, and they said, we're trying to make a small movie that we can do for a reasonable budget and get this thing made. And I read it, and the script, first of all, is fantastic, and the script is what has drawn everybody in. I mean, we have Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer in this movie. We have C. Thomas Howell, who is – who's been in everything. I mean, he's on the TV series Southland right now. He did The Outsiders. He was Pony Boy in The Outsiders. He uh, he was in Red Dawn. He was in The Hitcher. Then we got Jane Kaczmarek from Malcolm in the Middle, uh, James Lafferty from One Tree Hill, and Aaron Hill from Greek. And all these people came on board the movie because of the script and their faith in the directors. Same reason that brought me on. But I've, been, I've never been so excited about working with directors that I actually wanted to go out and produce the movie. But it was, it was this script, and those guys that made me go out and raise I raised nearly half the budget for the entire film. Wow. Yeah. Like doing what? I mean just going around and just trying to get people to, to back it? Yeah, not I don't want to say knocking on doors. It wasn't knocking on doors, but it was picking up the phone and calling people and, and going to people that I knew and I met throughout my life. There was people in LA, there was there's an ad agency that I shoot for in Cleveland that I knew the owner real well and I said, Hey, how about it? I, I've helped you, you know, bring your documentary to life that you've really wanted to do. You know, can you can you help me out with this? And he gave a nice amount of money, and then a client of his that I'd shot for, who was a major window company, I went to the owner of that, and I said, listen, can you help me out? Picked up another nice chunk of money there, and then I, I went – one of one of my ace in the holes, I went to uh, Ron Yankee, who owns Our Grottos in Corner 230 in Ottawa, and yeah. he put in a really nice amount of money. He's he's one of our big executive producers on the movie. You'll see his name on the movie uh, when you guys see the movie. But he's he's been with me to all the the premieres and parties, and he's just he's just a good guy. And without him, this thing really couldn't have been made. And then my my father is also an executive producer on the movie, who was probably the the biggest executive producer on the film. So it's been it's been amazing. Everybody's pulled together, and we made one hell of a movie. Nice, excellent. And and just so people are clear, I mean. The the movie itself is made, right? I mean, it's, it's done. It's done. It's in the can. We've premiered at several film festivals. It's getting an incredible buzz. We've had six reviews so far, published reviews, and the worst of the six reviews was four out of five stars. Wow. So Very good. So, And just so people are clear, so the purpose of the Kickstarter is what? To, to help you um, release it on Blu-ray and DVD that, That's and part Netflix? of it. The, the, big, okay. the big deal is we want to be able to four-wall it in a couple cities. We want to be able to bring it to Visalia, California, where we shot. We want to be able to bring it back to Peru, Illinois. We want to probably do Chicago, L.A., New York, a couple big cities. We, just, we, we know that the movie is really good. The problem is we've had six or seven distributors actually come to us and make offers on the movie. And a lot of people would have said, good, take our movie, you know, get it out there. They, they would have thrown it on theaters in major cities. The problem was they wanted us to change all kind of things that we just weren't comfortable with. They wanted us to like change the actual movie not, itself. Not the cut itself, but they wanted to do some things that we found really sort of shady as far as misrepresenting ourselves. So they wanted to take Octavia Spencer, who won the Academy Award for the help, and put her face really big on the cover. She's in the movie for five minutes. You know, oh, she doesn't have a yeah. major role. They, but they're like, her name, she sells. She's the biggest actor you have. We're like, no, we're not comfortable with that. Like, okay, the name of the movie, great, Lost on Purpose. But let's call it Another Year Lost on Purpose because then it would start with an A and it'll be at the top of your Netflix queue. It'll be at the top of your Hulu queue. It was just, <sighs> it was things like that. And we said, you know, this is not, we made this movie and we made a really good movie and we want to get it to the audience we intended it for. And what they're going to do is they're going to shove it in a few theaters. If it, if it sinks, it sinks. And if it swims, they're going to make a bunch of money off of it, and you know it's it's not going to get out the way we wanted it to. All, so, all those people are geniuses, though, right? They're absolutely geniuses. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> they're the ones making money off of everybody else's back. So well, you see stuff like that a lot. There's right. The, uh, Hollywood movies where it comes out and the movie just wasn't that good, and then what? Ten years later, you, you they come out with a special Blu-ray that's the director's cut, the way it was supposed to be, and it's like, oh wow, this is this is completely different film. Exactly. Yeah. And so we weren't we weren't going to misrepresent ourselves in the film like that. We want to have long careers, and we want people to know, you know, we're going to stand for what we do. 
So that's that's where we're at, and that's what the Kickstarter is all about. It's about raising the money to bring the movie to the people we intended to see it, and it's it's simple as that. We made a good movie. We want you to see it. Excellent. So now I'm going to do my best to get this podcast out as quick as I can, but the actual day this thing's ending is uh, Sunday, May 19th at 5.23 Eastern Time, and you're trying to hit $40,000, and you are at currently, as of the time well hopefully it'll be higher than this when people hear this (laughs) recording Uh, but you've got 344 backers uh and you're at 31,081 dollars that is really close almost i see that we've had a last minute donation from a clayton jaquins yeah we we have jumped up i I made a donation while we were recording (sighs) way to go clayton yeah it's it's amazing the support from you guys are ready man It was worth, yep, it was already worth doing this interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Thank you. You earned it with yep. the, uh, the the excellent trailer and and everything, so it's cool. I appreciate that. Yep, and I can I can guarantee I'm working my dad. Actually, that wasn't too hard. He was he was all for it. Well, I, I do uh, have to say that I'm I'm gonna you know blow you up in front of your listeners here, but John had pledged to put ten dollars into the movie the other day. If you guys heard the last podcast, and uh, he well well exceeded that, so I hope that doesn't hurt your cred. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 screwing with my cheap cred. I'm, I'm the I'm the tightwad here. Well, I, no, I I was sold. I'll I'll be honest. When I saw that for seventy five bucks, I could get my name in the credits. Just that alone is what got me. It, it, I know, I swear. Deal. That's it. Make, make My name bad, in a movie, Hollywood movie. Oh, man, that's just cool. You, you can have your name or you can have your podcast. We can throw your podcast in there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. whatever you want. You let me know. Okay. I, I know the filmmakers. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> so, okay, so that's the – And let's see, where are we in the recording? Oh, we're doing just fine on time. This is great. So we kind of skipped ahead. The, the, this was all about the Kickstarter. So if there's something we're forgetting to talk about, please cut me off because uh, otherwise we're going to start rambling about nah, hockey. Not at all. We can talk about the Kickstarter all day if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what we're forgetting. The Kickstarter page, like I mentioned, I'm going to get a link on our ivypod.com website right towards the top so that anybody, if they forget, you know, they hear the podcast, they go to our website Click the link. It'll go straight to this uh, Kickstarter page. Um, otherwise, lost on purpose, just Google that, and you're going to find it right away. But on the page, there's a lot of good stuff. You've got uh, the, the updates uh, right before this podcast. Uh, you showed me these videos that are on there, which I think are priceless. They're um, they're pretty embarrassing, so it's, it's worth your money to go see them. <laughs> Was it the first one when you hit 10,000? We did the first one when we hit 5,000, okay. and then we got really excited about it, so we promised another one at 10,000. And then we we did a screening in Hollywood a couple weeks ago. There was only 60 people in the auditorium, and out of that auditorium, after he, seeing the movie, someone in that auditorium was so moved and so touched by the movie and, and so into our question and answer after, they went home and threw $10,000 into the Kickstarter. Whoa. So I hope that's a testament to to the quality of the film, if nothing else. Yeah, that's great. So anyway, that kind of caught us off guard. So we jumped from 16,000 up to 26,000. And so we decided we'd do our next next video at 30,000. That's that's what you're referencing right now, the $30,000 video. Yeah, they, they get better and better every video you did. <laughs> They're dance videos. <laughs> from from people who clearly should never be dancing. <laughs> I, I can appreciate there. that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it goes a long way. I hope. That's awesome, though. How did you guys? Well, I mean, how did, did did you get such a like a first class uh, cast for this, man? Like that. That's what I mean. It, it, for being a, a a lower budget, I'm assuming film. I, I it's a you got amazing talent in this film. Is that's just that's actually that, it's it's a great story. I mean, it's it's it goes back to the script. The directors and uh, James Lafferty were both repped, I believe, by the same management. And she was one of these people who Catherine James was her name, and she's since passed of of cancer, which is really oh. sad. But she she liked to put people, good people, together. So she she's actually the one who first managed Quentin Tarantino. So she she was excellent at recognizing talent. So she puts these guys together. James, who starred in One Tree Hill, who every girl in their teens and older now is just in love with. I mean, I can tell you stories about this later, but 
she put them in touch, and James is starting to write. So she liked Ian and Esham Nelms' writing, so she put them together, and they had a meeting to just go over a script with him. And in the meeting, they were like, my god, this guy is perfect for Lost on Purpose. You know, We wonder if he'll do it. And he had such a good meeting with them over the script that he was like, these guys are great. And so he was the first person they went out to, and he said yes immediately. So once he was on board, it, it makes getting other cast attached a whole lot easier. The first one, the first one in is always the toughest. So it was a blessing that we got him on board. And once he was on board, I was able to go out and get a little bit of money. And then we were able to go out and get Jane Kaczmarek through uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Stephen Rogers, who wrote like Hope Floats and P.S. I Love You and movies like that. So he was repped at. ICM, and he went to his agents and said, listen, these guys are really talented. Can you help us get somebody on this movie? And that's how we pulled in Jane Kaczmarek from Malcolm in the Middle. And so when she was on, I, I went full full board of my investors, and I was able to get enough money to to get the movie into production. It, it was really interesting because I remember one of the directors, I had, I had brought in a fair amount of money, and he said to me, how much money do you think you can bring in? And I repeated to him the same amount of money that I had actually brought in. And <laughs> he laughed at me because you know that meant I didn't think I could get any more money. And literally the next day, I got a call from two different people, and I doubled the amount of money that I'd brought in previously. <laughs> so it was pretty amazing. So the, you're basically called in all your favors on this one. You're a lot's on the line for you personally, yeah. just in terms of you, you saw something you wanted. You're able to convince people that it was worth getting on board for, and and you're, I mean, it's all hanging out there right now, and, and you're just hoping for, um, I mean, you're not so much even going for a big payoff, because you've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. You know that it's good. So, um, when you saw that first cut, was there some satisfaction that you got, and, and or could you, did you know the whole way through that you guys <laughs> kind of could get, get something good? It was, it was funny, because I've worked with so many directors over the last 12 years, and, and these guys are brilliant, and we had a couple little times on set where I was like, it was the... <laughs> So I produced the movie, so it's it's interesting because there's not a lot – if you look at Hollywood, there's maybe, if you can even find enough to fill one hand of guys who are producers and directors of photography. It just it just doesn't happen for some reason because one's below the line, one's above the line. One guy as the director of photography is always trying to get as much money from the producers as he can to make the movie look as beautiful as possible. The producer is trying to give him as much – as little money as possible to get the best look as he can. So it was like I was bipolar on this thing. I, I had to have the arguments with myself for the second time ever. And it was it was pretty interesting because as it went along, I realized that it's really an intuitive thing to be the guy who has the money and the guy, be the guy who's asking for the money because you know exactly where the money is. And you're looking at it from two different perspectives. So I think it evens out, and it's really, really interesting. So I, I do have a lot riding on it, but I wasn't willing to go in unless I felt like it could be a real quality project. Right. That kind of hits on one of the questions I had for you. This is this isn't necessarily for lost on purpose. I guess it could be kind of in a generic question for any movie you work on. So as the director of photography, I you know, it seems like most of the stuff you hear about it's always focused on the actors or the director. You don't hear as much about the cinematographer. So on the set, how does this work? I mean, is you know, do you have to follow the direction of the director? Are you kind of just independent shooting, you know, whatever you want? How, how do, or, or do you work with the actors directly? Uh, how does that work? It's, it's really interesting because it starts sometimes months before the movie is actually ever in production. And you meet with the director and you sit down and you talk about everything from what, well, <laughs> not anymore, but it used to be about what film stock you would use. Now it's about what camera what camera system you're going to use, what lenses you're going to use, um, whether the director himself is going to come up with a shot list, whether you guys are going to sit together and come up with a shot list. You know, you go to the locations, you, you piece it all together. It's a giant puzzle, and you're figuring it out together most of the time, you and the director. So you are, you are as the director of photography or cinematographer, which is the exact same thing. It's just two different titles for the same thing. You're... You're planning out the entire movie with the director, so you're you're literally his right hand man. So working with a director is key to being a director of photography. Okay. So then, do you have to interact with the actors, or is that all him? No, I mean, I mean, I'm absolutely interacting with the actors, mostly to tell them, you know, take a step to the left, or you know, do you feel that light? Try and end up in that light, you know. I mean, you, you obviously you're around them all day, so you end up having a relationship with the actors, and you know, sometimes you have a little shorthand with them to to help them along through things. 
But mostly it's the director communicating the actual direction to them. On this project, it was interesting because I was also the producer. And so if I saw something that I didn't think was going exactly how it should be, you know, I was able to talk to them on that level and not just as the director of photography. So it was, it was really cool to be doing both roles. Now, have you ever worked on a movie where you just were not seeing eye to eye on things and have issues like that? I mean, I, that seems like that would be pretty natural. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. I, I did a mo- <laughs> I did a movie in Chicago a couple of years back, and it's it's unfortunate how it turned out. The director and I went to college together, and he thought he was Michael Bay, but you can't be Michael Bay when you don't have Michael Bay's budget. He was trying to do things that just didn't work on the scale, and I was sort of brought in to rein him in and make sure the movie cut and. Uh, Sadly, uh, I don't really talk to the guy anymore. But uh, the, the movie got finished, and it's getting some sort of release. But yeah, not not my proudest, not my proudest moment. It turned it turned out okay, but the director cut me out of the the finishing process, and the movie doesn't exactly look the way I'd want it to. Yeah, that's one thing I was wondering if that was going to be my next question. Has that happened where you've you've shot something, <laughs> and then when the actual finished project product is nothing of what you expected it to be. That that one for sure, absolutely. And it's funny because the producers loved me and the AD loved me because I got them a movie that would cut and I was easy to work with and I got everything done and we stayed in time, we stayed in budget and, you know, they're they're able to sell their movie. That's all they care about, you know. But, you know, it really strained my relationship with the director because he got really bitter towards me because I was not not undermining him because I would never undermine a director, but I was helping steer him to get a product that would cut together so that the movie would work. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, good stuff. You know what? We're at a spot here in this show where maybe we should take a little break. That sounds like a plan. Regroup, grab a fresh beer or scotch or whatever you're drinking. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back, everybody. All right. Okay, we're back from a short little break there, and we uh, we are going to do another read for the Kramarsic Law Office. Hey, John, I forgot to tell you. Had I known that Doug Kramarsic was doing this, I would have hired him to be my legal representation on my feature film. And what I want to tell you about Doug is he was the top of his class. Before founding the firm, Doug was a LaSalle County Assistant State's Attorney prosecuting criminal cases, advising police officers and state troopers, and he later became the lead DUI traffic prosecutor for the entire 100,000-plus LaSalle County area. That's a big area. During his time, Doug had the opportunity to try numerous bench trials and jury trials to verdict. I think you want a lot of those, by the way, including trials ranging from petty traffic violations to serious felony charges. He's also handled many real estate traffic accidents, workers' compensation, estate planning, licensing issues, and family law issues. Doug graduated in the top of his class from Southern Illinois University at Carbondale with a bachelor's degree with honors and the Thomas L. Cooley Law School with a doctor of jurisprudence degree, where he also graduated in the top of his class. Throughout his educational professional experience, he has been awarded many honors, recognitions from his peers, including being named one of the top 40 under 40 entrepreneurs in the Illinois Small Business Association, which, by the way, I was never named to. Doug was also <laughs> granted a special license through the Illinois Supreme Court called the 711, which allowed him to practice law in the state of Illinois before he even passed the Illinois State Bar Examination. I don't think that's legal. He's a member of the Illinois State Bar Association and the LaSalle County Bar Association. We highly recommend checking out his website. That's KramarsicLaw.com, not Kramarsic slash DUI. <laughs> you will see right away the various ways Kramarsic Law Offices can help you. DUI and traffic laws, criminal defense, traffic accident compensation, driver's license reinstatement, sealing and expungement. Kramarsic Law Offices will be happy to give you a free initial consultation. Give them a call. For more information, give Doug a call at 815 
667-7100, Utica, Illinois. It's a website again. One more time, KamarsikLaw.com. Again, we thank Doug for the support of the Ivy Alternative Podcast. Beautiful. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and quit now. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, John, you got a new co-host. <laughs> All right. <I'm> signing off. <laughs> Great read, man. Love it. Thanks, man. Beauty. That's fun. I'm going to call Doug this week. There See what you he can do for me. <laughs> Free consultation at all. You know that. He's got that jurisprudence degree. I just, you know, once once I have $40,000 from Kickstarter, I know that uh, by California law, my wife is entitled to half of it. So I'm going to call Doug and see if we can do anything about that. That's right. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. Five years married, right? Five years married last week. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Good stuff. Well, what, what day was your anniversary? Just that, that's a good question. Oh, shit. <laughs> April Sorry. April twenty sixth got me, but I'm I'm back. Okay, I just wonder if it's the same, but mine is the twenty eighth. So, wow, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> so you're so, you're what one year? Yes, exactly. Good stuff. Sorry, John, go for it. Yeah, I'm the old dog here. Eight years. That's incredible. That's right. Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> Eight lovely years. You were married in... Actually, I could say anything because my wife doesn't listen to my right. podcast. I, I wish I remembered what I was doing eight years ago. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing. Probably drinking scotch. There you go. Mm-hmm. So we, we we were saying during the break that we've been... This has been a pretty serious podcast so far. I mean, hard-nosed questions. We need to, you know, we need to lighten it up. Absolutely. Just, just a little bit. Although we do have some important things about the movie. Right. Uh, we do want to talk about, and I don't know if we should save that or we should. No, nah, let's should let's go for it right it. now. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking about the movie Lost on Purpose, but uh, you failed to tell everybody what this movie's about. That's pretty bad on my Why part. Why should we see this movie? All right, so Lost on Purpose. It's about a third-generation dairy woman, played by Jane Kaczmarek, who's the mom on Malcolm in the Middle. She's incredible in the movie. So she's running her farm. Everything's going great when C. Thomas Howell comes along, and he runs the biggest co-op in Central California. And he comes to her and pitches her on joining the co-op. And she says, no, I want to keep things the way they've always been. I'm happy doing what it is. And he decides to run her and her partners out of business for not going along with the flow. And so the story is about her and the five late 20-something, early 30-something-year-old guys who live and work on the ranch and what happens when this guy comes along and tries to force them all out. Because they're perfectly content moving along, small-town life, just just coasting through, doing what they've always done. you know. And, and it's, it's a way of life that you know is really, really special to me because it's sort of similar to the area where we all grew up, you know. It's it's a different style sure. of life, but it's it's a great style of life. You know, not everybody wants to go to the the big city and do something else. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing the life that you've always known. And piece of me really really holds that dear because I I'd, I'd love to be back in LaSalle, Peru or somewhere like Visalia. You know, half the year doing what I did when I was younger. So that's that's what compelled me to the movie, and it's about the struggle to keep life the way it's always been, and whether they can hold on to that dream or not. I, yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, the preview. Uh was really good. There was a couple videos here from the Not Late Show, which I wasn't familiar with that <laughs> the, show. Yeah, the but, not, uh, not So Late Show is out of Kansas City. It's out of, um, oh, wow, I'm, I'm blanking on the city, but it's it's where uh, KU is. Okay, oh, yeah, with, yeah. That, that, there's some good previews for the movie on that. That's how, whoa, something's going on in my house. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's weird sounds. Lawrence, Kansas, right? Lawrence, Kansas, that is it. Lawrence, Kansas, I apologize. You were wonderful to us. And uh, I have to say, I hung out with James Lafferty, who is one of the leads on our movie for the first time in Lawrence, Kansas, right after we did the Not So Late show. So we go to dinner, and after dinner, we go into the bar area, and we're throwing back tequila shots. There's about 12 of us in there. I don't know whether it's Twitter. I don't know whether somebody made a phone call. I don't know whether somebody was in the place and recognized him. But three cars whip out out of the blue like cop cars. I thought the place was being raided. 20 (laughs) sorority girls spill out. And next thing I know, we're completely encircled by 20 sorority girls. It's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know why I didn't hang out with this guy before I was married. <laughs> did, did, you, did you, they bust a cat word? Someone tweeted that he was at the bar or something, the bartender or something, right? Is that it, what you're it, thinking? It had to. It had to be something like that because they they filled up their place real fast. Nice. Good. Good for business. Did you Did you get any? I mean, did you put your wedding ring in your pocket? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually hit myself in the forehead with it just to just to you know remember. Reminder. It. Absolutely. 
Good idea. No. Well, I, I also have the theory that when you're married, you all of a sudden become more, uh, you just, the ability to talk to women is, is you just can. There's no doubt reason. about that. There's, no fear. there's nothing to lose. Exactly. <laughs> right. So it, it's, it's like, where was this confidence? You know, before you met your significant other. And if, just, if we only all had a time machine. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, you, even if you went back, it's, it's, you wouldn't be able to replicate it. It's just, it can't be done. So I don't know. It's not, it's not a unique theory. I'm pretty sure lots of people have it, but. Oh, absolutely. That must mean it's right. I, I don't doubt it for a second. <laughs> so you mentioned that this movie, you know, there's certain aspects of it that are, you know, close to you because it, you know, that reminds you of some of the aspects of the Illinois Valley. So, so what's the deal? Why, why couldn't you, why couldn't you stick around the Illinois Valley and become a successful cinematographer? What, what do you, what's your beat? You know, I fully intended to. <laughs> and uh, it, w- it was just when I when I attempted to film my 17th feature film in, in the Illinois Valley and no one saw it, I was like, I got to do something about this. Right. So I packed up my bags and I moved to Los Angeles and I said, maybe somebody will give me a shot. Nice. Okay. I can you buy know, it. I, I love the Illinois Valley. I, and someday, honestly, I hope to bring a movie back there because I would I would love to do a movie in, in our town. That's cool. Yeah. I, you know what I appreciate about, you know, just your general and how you're talking is John and I kind of have a – we don't like the haters. You know, we're all for people moving on and, and going different places and and making the most out of their careers and their lives and all that. But there's never a reason. I mean, if you're, I mean, I some folks I could see it, but you don't have to trash your hometown to to get somewhere else. And and no matter, maybe you were the problem. I mean, that kind of theory. That might have been it. <laughs> well, not you, as in you, but the folks that move away and go, oh, I had to get away from that crappy town. And it's oftentimes they end well, that, up. But that, you get that even from people who live here, though. That's right. true. So. That's true. But I'm glad you clarified because I really thought you were pointing the finger there, Clayton. No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Like a, a lot of times people get they get they get down and out and they start to blame where they're from or where they're at. And a- absolutely. They, and that's one of the things the directors in my movie have really talked about. Uh, a lot of times people make that movie about their hometown and it's about escaping the hometown. It's about getting out of it. And their movie was really it's a love letter to where they were born and raised. It's a place that they, you know, hold near and dear, and it's it's a way of life that they really appreciate, much as I do, like with the Illinois Valley. I, I love so, that. It, it's a frame of mind thing. It's not a. It, it's conceptually, it's great. It's not your standard, you know, teen angst. I can't wait to get the hell out of this town movie. Right. It's 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 your roots, and I had a great upbringing, and and I would not have wanted to grow up in Los Angeles. I feel like I'm I'm very grounded. I feel like I was raised with great morals, and I have you know, right. great parents who you know who knows had I been raised somewhere else how I would have turned out. But I'm very appreciative appreciative for what I have, and and I can trace that back to the Illinois Valley. Awesome. No, it sounds like you do come back. So you work in L.A., but then you also work in Chicago. I try. I'm trying to work more and more in Chicago because I love Chicago. Like I was telling you guys earlier, I, I just got bear season tickets. So you're going to see more and more of me because I'm coming back. And, and I should have said right. that on the podcast because I'm going to get calls and text messages right. and, and Facebook messages. Hey, what are you doing with those tickets? All right. Well, they're all sold. Let me just say they're all sold on StubHub. Exactly. Sorry, Clayton. <laughs> they're all gone already. Yeah. But – no, no, I, I love it, and I love going back to and, and I'm blanking now. I could give them a really great shout out, but the uh, the bar on Fourth Street with a shuffleboard table. Oh, no, <laughs> in Peru. In Peru. Oh, is that uh, Art Keys? Art Keys. Yeah. Love that place. Yeah, love that place. Classic tavern, man. Absolutely. That's the kind of place that I tried to hang out with in hang out in L.A. Like in the valley, I used to go to the diviest bars that I could find, and I started hanging out in this bar, and I'd play darts three nights a week, Mo- mostly after I, I broke up with my ex-girlfriend before I met my wife. I would start going to this place three nights a week to play darts with the guys there. I became like a, a regular, which is not my proudest moment, but I had a great time, right. and uh, it, it was that kind of bar. It was just a total dive bar, and I found out after I'd been hanging out there for a couple months that – you guys see the movie Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson's movie? No, I don't think I no. All right, the story's going nowhere. I'll cut it off right now. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was. Uh, but all of our listeners have. Yeah, exactly. So w- William H Macy hung out in this bar, and he was in love with Brad, the bartender with braces. And so, you know, months into hanging out at this bar, somebody pointed it out to me, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that makes sense. It's a pretty cool bar." So anyway, awesome. end of my story. <laughs> okay. Did, well, I have did, to say that you were a year. Older than us, so we didn't have you in our class. But I, my oldest recollection was playing 
hockey with you. <laughs> we played. That's I. I just remember, and I remember you and your brother coming, and your brother had the full goalie gear, didn't he? He did. He did. My brother played goalie for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's I. I remember playing. It was I think in the backwaters at the the canal in the oh, south. Absolutely. That was yeah. that was a blast. And I think back. I've been thinking back that, about that a lot lately because. I, I'm in my dive master program right now, so I'm in the water a lot. But I, I keep thinking about it. We played on that canal. Any moment that ice could have cracked and given in. Like I, I'm thinking, I don't know that I would go down there and play today. But as, as a kid, it was. Oh, as a kid, it was great. I witnessed someone's their leg go in, and that was enough for me to probably that was the last time I think I played there. Really, <laughs> on the backwaters? On that area where the boat is now. Okay. They have that canal boat right on the towpath. That's where we used to play, right at the I&M Canal, right down there at the towpath. Right. Then in LaSalle, you'd walk right down those stairs, and you'd hop on the canal and have a blast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I miss that. It's good stuff. We've had talks about this before, how we wish that there was a ice rink in this area, but it's just not going to happen. It's, it's something well. that always should have happened, and, and it's, it's a shame that it hasn't. You know what? All right, mark my words. When I get super successful, I'm bringing an ice rink to the Illinois Valley. That sounds like a plan. John, you can drive the Zamboni. Oh, that'd be I certainly will. That was his job in college. Did you really? Yes. I, I It's the best job of my life. It's fantastic. It was the greatest. The uh, I, yes. I, I've probably told the story on this podcast before, but yeah. It's, it's one of the single another, most uh, – what's that? that? It warrants another telling. Yeah. Well, one of the single most – you know, coolest moments of my life was when I uh, – <laughs> a full crowd hockey game, uh, second intermission – Got the signal from the older Zamboni driver to me because the ch- the crowd is chanting donut donut <laughs> donut and he because well, we you know two guys go out with the Zambonis at a time and he you know everybody's chanting and it happened to be a night where there was none of the bosses were there so he, I look over at him and he 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 kind of like circles his finger discreetly and so when I'm pulling it in I I just I did a huge donut, and the whole place just went crazy. Is, it was awesome. That is fantastic. <laughs> you know, nothing I've said tonight now, it all pales in comparison. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, he, John has the license plate holder that says, my, I'd rather be driving a Zamboni. Oh, yeah. Do you really? I can't I can't let go of it. I. It's it's sad. I, I do miss that job very much. So, yes, if you I'm holding you to it now. Absolutely. And, and forget well, you, forget going back in time and picking up ladies. I want to go back in time and ride your Zamboni. Yeah. <laughs> we used to go and watch him when he was at U of I. So Did you really? We'd, we'd be like, well, John's driving the Zam tonight. Let's go watch the hockey game because it was club hockey at U of I, right? So yep. we would go. And it's the same ice rink, right, where, like, Bonnie Blair trained. Oh, yeah, it was a speed skating. Rink. So it was bigger. It was, like, it Olympic-sized ice rink. Amazing. Now, yeah. now I know this is going to go out in, in the Illinois Valley, so I probably shouldn't say this, but I know that at some point in college, my sister dated a guy who was driving the Zamboni. <laughs> at U of I? At, at U of I. Oh, job. boy. So we can talk about that off the air later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it was you, though. No, I, I think sure I think I would have heard. Well, you did some recollection of it, but yeah, I, you you have pictures of you in your Halloween costume in your Freddy Krueger outfit, uh, driving the Zamboni, and when you got married, you put that in the newspaper as your job. <laughs> I did, and your mom got a little upset about it. She's she like, did. That's yeah, not she didn't like are. that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly that was my. <laughs> You're like, I'm not trying <laughs> to was my job anybody here. If, if I can get that picture and put that up on Kickstarter as the $2 tier, I would love to do that. Oh, what? The Your Zamboni, Zamboni picture. It's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I could do that. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> hey, speaking of the Kickstarter, um, just kind of roping it back, you or you just recently added a new level. Cause I, and I, I kind of briefly just mentioned it, but with the Kickstarter and the whole donations, there's different levels. We, we like did. Like $10, we, you get something, I th- you know, $75, which is the... That one got me because of the whole credits. Get my name and movie credits. I was sold Jesus. right there. But you just added a um, a big one, right? $2,500. We did $2,500 tier. You get to go to dinner with myself, the directors, the other producer, which you may be saying, $2,500. Why that? Well, you also get to go to dinner with Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer from The Help. And uh, she's, in our, she's in our movie, and we called her the other night, and she actually pitched us on doing it herself. And that's what an amazing woman she is. So if there's anybody out there who has the cash to do that, 
absolutely worthwhile because she's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And what a great experience being able to go out to dinner with her and talk in movies, talking whatever you want. She's just a great person. Neat. Well, I can't cut that one. But I hope somebody does. I, I do, too. I mean, we had a donor put $10,000 in the other night. Came to our screening. So now, does that mean if, they, if they've already put that money down, are they eligible for that, that tier? Or are they... How does that well, work? Well, it, it works as they, they pick their tier. I mean, they could always go backwards and pick that tier, which, not, oh, knock okay. on wood, they're not going to do. Yeah, um, yeah. For, for $10,000, uh, this incredible saint of an individual became an executive producer on the film, and his name will be up there in giant letters before the movie, and everyone will know that it's because of him, along with some other incredible executive producers, that this movie is you know making it to theaters or Netflix or DVD or wherever you might see this this film. Excellent. Was there times when you were filming this movie uh, that you kind of had like a uh, like a pinch pinch yourself moment? You know, there there was more. I I can I can remember not even on set. I can remember one day when we were sitting around watching the dailies. Which for those of you don't know who don't know, dailies are the footage from the prior day. You give them a look to make sure everything is fine. There's no technical problems. That you're happy with the performances, all that kind of thing. But it was a weekend, and Jane Kaczmarek who, like I said, was the mom from Malcolm in the Middle, who I'm sure most people out there know, she came over, and we were cooking we were cooking brats and Polish sausages. We were drinking beer. We were just hanging out, and I'm just there eating Polish sausages with Jane Kaczmarek, having a, having a great time. And that was that was one of those moments, just to see that, you know, somebody you watched on TV for years is just such a cool, down-to-earth person, you know, from the Midwest of all places. And we just had such an awesome time. She's from Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then to to work with somebody like C. Thomas Howell is is a dream too. He you know starred in Red Dawn and the original Hitcher. If you guys saw that, and he the reason he came out of the project was I was a huge fan fan of his from the TV series Southland, which mm-hmm. was a show that was on network television was canceled after the first series season and then picked up on TNT and has run four seasons on TNT. And right, there's no more gut wrenching show on TV than that show. I realized at the end of this season that, that I would probably have to start watching it, stop watching it if, if it continued because I just got so worked up and so tense and I basically needed a back massage by the time the episode was over. But <laughs> I, I was such a fan of him on the show that I talked the directors into going out to him to see if he would play this role and he happily accepted. Wow. Yeah. And that was, you're kind of like, I want this guy and, and then you landed him. We did. We did. There was there was a lot of those moments, and I mean, like I said, I, I can say anything, but we're super blessed to get the cast that we got and have the support that we have. And you know, I think it goes back to just good people trying to do a good product. The directors, like I said, Ian and Esham Nelms are two of the most amazing people I've ever met. Uh, Michelle Lang, who was the other producer, who really should get the most credit of bringing this thing together on a on a technical level. Uh, just all amazing people. So on a completely unrelated note, I have because we were joking about this a little bit earlier. I when I think of a cinematographer, I think of a guy on a on this big crane, like oh not a crane, like this big arm that's like you can drive around and you move this arm thing around and attached to this arm is like a pod or something with the camera mounted and you're sitting in this pod and moving all over the place is. Am I dreaming that up, or is there things like that in existence? In, in Hollywood, John, we call that a jib. It is a jib. real thing. Nice. It's, it's the things that dreams are made of. <laughs> it's a camera on a giant arm that you can remotely control and move up and down, and it's it's a really, really great uh, device to have when you're making a movie. So no, you you haven't you haven't dreamed that up. They also have the kind where there there's a a chair at the end of it with a platform where the the cinematographer or the camera operator, whoever might be operating at the time, gets to sit in too. So there's there's multiple kinds, and it's it's pretty pretty amazing. You get those really great shots where you can boom low to high or high to low things that you've seen your whole life in in big budget studio movies. Cool. Now, Lost on Purpose is that? Would you consider that like a a drama, or does it have any comedy in it, or kind of a mixture? I, I would call it a dramedy. It's it's a pretty serious movie. I mean, it's about the plight of the American dairy farmer and how um, it's just eroding. You know, we I'd have to look up the stat for you, but there was something I believe like 
15,000 dairy farms in California in the 70s, and now it's down to a fraction of that, maybe, you know, 30% of that. So it's it's a story that, you know, was sort of near and dear to our hearts, and it's about the little guy being squeezed out. And like I said, we all come from that small-town background. So it's something that we cared about and, and wanted to put on film. So do you like – is that the kind of movie you like to work on, or are you pretty much wide open to – all types of genres. I mean, I'll do anything that comes with a paycheck. No, <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I I want to do a little bit of everything, and I have done a little bit of everything. And you, you can go to my website if you get a chance beyond the Kickstarter, but please go to the Kickstarter first. But you can always check out johnnydurango.com. That's D-E-R-A-N-G-O.com and check out a lot of the stuff I've done. I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've worked with actors like Rain Wilson from The Office. I've worked with... Um, Josh Lucas, who who starred in Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon, so I've I've worked with some pretty great talent, and you can see some of the stuff I've done with them on my website. So as a director of photography, I just I try to take the best possible projects, and I've been offered a lot of movies that I have turned down. I didn't want to be the guy who you went to IMDb and I had 300 credits, but three that you've heard of. That's that's the respectable route to go. <laughs> It's not not the route that'll put the most money in your pocket, but once again, you know, I do it because I love it. You know, I want to pay my bills, but I also want to be proud of what I do. Sure. And we have uh, we've got friends at some of the other local podcasts here in the Illinois Valley. They do there's some uh, nerdy, geeky video game related podcasts, and they would appreciate that. In 2010, you were you did a Street Fighter music video. It's it's true. I did it for Jace Hall who has a show on IGN, it's, it's immensely popular. I've done several things for him now. Um, one of the coolest ones I've done for him, I did in the last year or two, it was a video called Blame It on the Game. It was a Millie Vanilli, Blame It on the Rain parody, and it featured <laughs> Fab from Millie Vanilli, the surviving member of Millie Vanilli. And he wore a wig, he wore the same wardrobe from the actual Blame It on the Rain music video, and he sings the entire video with Jace Hall. They do the whole thing together, and at the very end, the track skips... And the guy who actually sang the original track comes out, and they have a reunion for the first time on film in in the history of the whole scandal. And it's it's really, really? great. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. So check it out. It's it's Blame It on the Game by Jace Hall. Nice. Yeah. All right. I don't even see that on. Here. It's it's not on there. There's there's a, it's, oh. what's not on there can fill an encyclopedia. <laughs> ah, gotcha. <laughs> we we did another one too. That's really great. Uh, a World of Warcraft video tribute video that's on YouTube. All right, so we we are back. That's the pretty much the coolest thing I've ever heard on this podcast. Just happened right now. I, I can't do it again. It takes a lot out of me every time I do it. So one <laughs> one time for the show. I really thought that it was like part of your story, and then it just kept going. So <laughs> good work. You actually you don't even know. Well, you'll find out. You'll find. I, I'm out. looking forward to hearing what I did. <laughs> that was neat. Right. All right. Well, yeah, we've been uh, we've been talking all sorts of stuff here. Actually, that was a good time to take a little break again, and we've uh, we don't have a whole lot more to talk about here. So we, we've 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 talked about the Kickstarter, Lost on Purpose. We talked about your origin story. We we really skipped. Now I feel bad though, and your mom's not gonna like this because you know we spent so much time talking about Eliminate, and then we kind of left out the next ten years of your your history. <laughs> That's a fact. Here, but, uh, <laughs> But we might – I don't know if we have time to go back, so we might have to leave it at that. You, you know what? Maybe it will give me a chance to come back on your podcast another yeah. day. There you go. 
Perfect. And this has been fantastic. I started this podcast with two bottles of scotch. I only have one in front of me. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I drank the other one before the, the Kramarsic uh, plop. <laughs> you were right in the zone, I think, for that read, I think. I, I appreciate that. And I'd like to thank uh, Doug Kramarsic and Kramarsic Law for their uh, their amazing donation to my Kickstarter page. That happened live on the show. It's amazing. So, so thank you, Doug. We have that effect on on things, you know. We're a small little Illinois Valley podcast, but we we have an impact. Not, not after this. I mean, you guys got tweeted today by uh, uh, another you know Illinois Valley native who has ninety thousand Twitter followers. Yeah, that's an unbelievable. Yes. So you, you probably have eighty five thousand listeners by tomorrow. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, Easily. that was just in time for this podcast. Well, yeah, and then, then you're easy, you're going to clip probably sixty thousand on Kickstarter. That, that's what I'm banking on. <laughs> Absolutely, that's great. So, what, what, what so, is that? Is that your tweet of the week? Seems as how we have to do that every episode, right, John? That, that is my tweet of tweet of the week, and that nice. counts. Yeah, we don't really have the list here, uh, so yeah, that's going to be it. And that yeah. that comes so, from Sarah Evans, and she tweeted about both of us. So yes. to Sarah Evans, we we both say thank you. Yeah, at, at PR Sarah Evans. Uh, yeah, she's she's a was she in your class at LP? She was. She absolutely was, and and what a sweet girl she was. And she's a public rea- uh, public relations like my multimedia uh, social media uh, guru expert uh, and overall wonderful person. So yeah, great great person. I mean, obviously, I think probably the best uh, tweet tweeting that we've had on. Twitter before, don't you? Wouldn't you say, John? Oh, Tweet absolutely. That's the biggest one. And hey, we'll take it. You know, <laughs> she was really tweeting about Lost on purpose, but we got an indirect uh, bonus, you know, out of that. Well, she, but in her actual tweet was contribute to this awesome at Kickstarter funded movie with me, and then it's got the link. And and I have to say so thank she, you to Sarah because she actually did contribute to Lost on purpose. Nice. Oh, nice. And she followed it. She followed Ivy Pod. And that's, I think, where where I'm excited. So I'm excited for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is great. So what else do we got? I guess we, we're we're gonna wrap it up unless you want to do another one of your uh, your weird little tricks. Yeah. Do you got anything left? Your in Tron your bag? trick. Yeah. You know, like I said, it takes a lot out of me. The the only <laughs> thing I'm capable of doing one more is a commercial read, but you know that that would only be because of his amazing donation to my Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> Perfect. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Well, I, we we have a problem with closing these shows out. So, <laughs> you know, you know, you gotta just do it like Ferris Bueller. Oh, so you don't, you don't know the the close of Ferris Bueller? He comes back after the credits. He goes, "What? Oh, right." I I, I think you gotta, you gotta take it out like Ferris Bueller. We could try that. Well, no, but, but before we do wrap it up, we we do have to thank you for coming on the show. This was this worked out really cool. I mean, it all kind of came together real quick. But I sure I'm glad it did. And, I, and like I said, I'm going to do my best to get this thing out there for people to listen to right away and hopefully hopefully get you another supporter or two or three or four or whatever. I mean, geez, um, you're you're just you're right here from the Illinois Valley. You're off in Hollywood. You're living the dream. It seems like I mean, I mean, I'm jealous hey, we, we, <laughs> making these you know movies, working with actors. Sure. Um, this is just incredible. So, I mean, to support this movie, support this Kickstarter, I think is something everybody should do. And it doesn't even have to be a lot. I mean, there's all these different tiers, but, uh, I mean, 10 bucks, you can right. throw down 10 you, bucks. That's, it's going to help out. You can give I, as I little did, as a dollar. There's, right. there's I, no I restriction. The, uh, I did the 25 and I get the, uh, the, the digital copy of the movie for it. So that's an easy way to pre-order the movie. Exactly, and and I gotta say I was really appreciative about appreciative about what you guys gave until I saw this studio. This this place is bigger than my apartment, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll I'll expect to see a little more tomorrow. <laughs> all right. hey, can, can we wrap it up? I want I want to know one one thing because I think we probably all used to run our movies from the same place. Were you a Midwest Video man? Absolutely, Midwest <laughs> Video. On a real funny, I don't know why I, I felt the need to bring that up, but <laughs> on, on a real funny note, my grandmother owned that building. <laughs> Oh really? Oh really? Yes. Yeah, Bob. Bob and Midwest Video rented that that building from my grandmother. Nice. Yeah. I, I, don't I don't know why I had to bring that up, but we, you were a West Ender. Of absolutely, Peru and, and I don't think it ever got me any free videos, but who knows? No. 
Yeah, now that was also my rental place, although I had about 14 blocks of biking to do. And by the time I got there, you guys, you jerks, had already picked over all the good stuff. Right. That's true. It was like three blocks from where I was. Right. <laughs> I, and, Double Dragon 2 came out. We were like, oh, <laughs> John, John was. <laughs> John. I had to settle for the beach vo- NES beach volleyball oh, or whatever. That's amazing. Saturday morning video games. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, this, this it, is not the first time we brought this that place up. So seriously, it, and my favorite place, my favorite thing about that place was the shape of the building. If you walk too close to the end, you would hit your head on the sloped wall. Oh yeah, it was just like a big barrel or a <laughs> pipe. You, you don't see buildings like that anymore. No, I'm surprised they made it look as good as they did. Oh, absolutely. All oh, right, on. I don't know. See that this is getting into the whole thing where we're not good at wrapping up episodes. <laughs> well, we're what we gotta give you some pimps here, or pimp out your plug, or whatever you want to call it. Plug your your Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Twitter is Johnny Durango. J O H N N Y Durango. D E R A N G O D P, as in director of photography, at twitter.com. And is that the best way to for people to find you, or what do you think? Or just go to your site, go, too? Go to my website, johnnydurango.com. Go to my Twitter. You know, Find me via Courier Pigeon. Whatever you got to do, I will get back to you, I promise. Especially if you donate to my kickstarter.com. Awesome. Sounds good. That sounds good. Okay. Well, I guess that's a show. Ivypod.com. If you, if you forget all that information, go to ivypod, ivypod.com. Click the link. If you're interested in helping out uh, an Illinois Valley-related movie, and then I guess that's the show. That's Thank it. you, guys. John. Thank you, John. Johnny. John. Thank John. you. Yep. <clears throat> I guess we're done. Yep. Okay. <laughs> You guys were joking about wrapping it up. Yeah, we yeah, we have issues. <laughs> Are you guys and still here? We're out.